This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. COVID-19 disrupted education on a scale never seen before. The Economist News Magazine reported a couple of weeks ago. The challenges are worldwide, they said. In the United States, parents remain divided on whether or not to send their children to school this coming fall and whether masks should be worn and other safe distancing practices enforced. Public schools are losing enrollments to private schools, charter schools, and homeschooling. Teachers are expressing concern about being held accountable for learning under strange and unusual circumstances. And the State Commissioner of Education and states across the country are facing new challenges around every corner. So to discuss the challenges commissioners are facing and secretaries of education are facing, I am delighted to have with me on the Education Exchange, Secretary of Education for the State of Arkansas, uh, Johnny Key. So, Commissioner Key, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So, Secretary Key, um, you were a chemist at one point, or at least you studied chemical engineering. Now, that's a long way. I mean, you've got to be pretty smart to do uh, a college degree in chemical engineering. So, I'm sure that has something to say about your preparation. But but you're, you're a long ways from engineering, aren't you? Well, uh, in a way, in a way, not so much. Uh, you know, my, uh, one of my advisors in college said, if you get a degree in chemical engineering, uh, you're prepared to do anything you want to do in life. I'm not sure he had this in mind uh, the, uh, in becoming a commissioner of education, but uh, it, it certainly gave me a, a background in problem solving skills. And, and that's certainly uh, something we've needed over the last nearly you know, year and a half now. Um, but uh, it's a, a great opportunity that I have. We in Arkansas are very proud that we had an entire school year in person. Uh, we, the governor, Governor Asa Hutchinson, uh, back in the spring of 2020, when we made that tough decision to uh, close down in-person instruction, across the state. Uh, we thought we might be out a couple of weeks. We thought we might come back after spring break. And we ended up losing the, the entire last nine weeks of that school year. And at that time, he was uh, very determined that we would be back in person in the fall of 2020. So August 24th, Arkansas started in-person classes. And uh, we were able to, despite many of the thoughts that uh, expectations that we'd be there two weeks and after Labor Day we would be back um, in 100% virtual setting. Uh, we were able to persevere and make it through the entire school year uh, with uh, in-person learning. Well, so did you get criticized because uh, were you you were adding to COVID spread? If you believe what some of the teachers unions were saying around the country, uh, if you open up the schools, it's it's going to be bad for teachers. It's going to be bad for everybody. So. What was your experience on the ground with the, with the spread of yeah. Well, you know, we were criticized, uh, and, and certainly I understand that. There was a lot of uncertainty at, at the time. Think about uh, where we were a year ago, and there were so many things we didn't understand about uh, this, this disease and this pandemic. Um, but uh, I would say that uh, the, the fears of just uncontrolled spread throughout the uh, school campuses did not come to fruition, thankfully. Uh, I, I really attribute that to the hard work of our educators and our administrators, our school staff around the state. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, parents that 
really wanted that opportunity to, to come back to school, but we also saw a number of parents that wanted to have a virtual option. And uh, some of the work that we did helped facilitate uh, the, the parental desires on, on both sides of that equation. Um, we, we probably had about 20% statewide of our students that remained in some type of uh, virtual instruction program. Um, but on a district by district level, you know, speaking of our experience, that varied from maybe 5% in some districts uh, to upwards of 40 to 50% in other districts uh, where the fear of COVID uh, just kept a lot of people home. Well, was there any connection between the presence of in-person instruction and how much COVID went on in a particular district? Did you see any pattern there or, or was it sort of unrelated? We, we really didn't. I mean, we saw the, the pattern in the school more reflective of the pattern in the community versus the, the school driving the community. Uh, our health department, uh, our epidemiologists here, uh, you know, were, were concerned that in-school spread would contribute to a broader spread in the community. But really, it was, it was more of a reflection of what was happening in the various communities. Well, that's what other people have found nationwide. So that experience that you've had in Arkansas isn't particularly different from uh, what I've heard from other sources around the country. But uh, now, one of the things that's happened this spring in states uh, uh, in the state legislature has been an increased interest in school choice, in part because perhaps parents had had some alternative educational experiences and at least people were looking for, for something different. So what have, you, what have you experienced in Arkansas? Was the legislature more interested in school choice um, options this year than, than in the past? Yeah, I think that may, have, uh, that may be driving some of, of their uh, desire. You know, in the past, we, Arkansas has a long history of school choice legislation, and it started back in the mid-80s. Actually, uh, then Governor Clinton uh, was governor, and that's when we established the first homeschool law in the state of Arkansas. Um, and, and so, you know, that is probably the the, the school choice that is um, the most prevalent around the state. Uh, before COVID, we had around 20,000 homeschoolers in the state of Arkansas. Uh, at the end of this past school year, that had grown to uh, over 30,000. Uh, so we saw a substantial increase in the number of homeschool um, students around the state would actually be by far the largest district in the state of Arkansas if all of our homeschool students were, were in a single school district. We also saw some desire to look at other options like uh, pod learning, but there really wasn't any uh, move, legislative move to advance that. We did see a, a, a new uh, scholarship opportunity uh, that was passed uh, with Act 904, and that was entitled the Philanthropic Investment in Arkansas Kids Act. And that created a, a series of tax credits, uh, about $2 million in the aggregate uh, for, per year, that uh, would open up about 350 scholarships uh, for students. So um, that, that was on top of our Succeed Scholarship. Uh, that was that's the scholarship that was established in 2015 that provided uh, scholarships for private schools for students with disabilities. Um, it had also been expanded to cover uh, some foster students. 
Uh, this last session, they expanded it to cover military students. Uh, but that is, uh, again, that is a uh, scholarship opportunity that is limited by how much the General Assembly uh, allocates for those funds. And uh, we are uh, right, right about $3.3 million uh, currently uh, in the amount of money that we can make scholarships available for those students. So you mentioned homeschooling and um, we just held a homeschooling conference uh, at Harvard and uh, we had a lot of uh, excitement around it. Uh, but one of the concerns that was expressed was that uh, it's not closely enough regulated and uh, there could be uh, abuse of children or, or they, could not, they might not be getting as good an education as they should or what, do you hear those concerns in Arkansas and, and do you think you've got enough, uh, you know, uh, guardrails to make sure that the homeschooling experience works well? That is a point of contention. Uh, usually that's brought to us by uh, school leaders, uh, school superintendents and educators who are concerned about that. Um, you know, we have, have seen some changes over the last few years. There was a time where we required annual uh, testing of our homeschool students. Um, back in, I think, 2015, that legislation was changed. Uh, did away with that requirement. But in this past session, now the homeschool advocates have come and uh, came to us and said, well, we want the, the opportunity uh, to get the same national uh, testing that all the other students have. So we, we, we see uh, ebbs and flows uh, of that. But as far as our guardrails, we do require a notice of intent every year. So uh, we do know uh, who those students are. Uh, there are opportunities that if there is concern of, of abuse or some other uh, maltreatment or educational neglect uh, that uh, our children and family services can intervene and, and uh, work in those situations. Uh, so we don't see um, we don't we don't see a lot of data that backs up the concern that there, this is in some way out of control and that students are are being abused or neglected because they choose homeschool. Well, the homeschoolers who were there at the conference they made the counter argument that there's a lot of abuse of children at school, not just by bullying by fellow students, but actually by uh, employees of the school. And they, they say yeah, their, their children are safer at home than at school. Uh, I don't know, what, what do you think of that, well, I, that argument? I, you know, as, a, uh, as a, a conservative former lawmaker, uh, spent almost 12 years in the General Assembly, uh, I trust parents. I trust parents to make those decisions. Uh, there are bad actors out there uh, in schools, there are bad actors in the communities. And uh, I think if we tried to regulate or, or uh, legislate our way to meet every one of those situations, we would have, a, a, we'd have laws a mile long. So uh, they, they are those parents are correct. Uh, there, there are abuse situations that happen in school. And uh, unfortunately, it happens all too often. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, we rest in that parents are the best uh, decision makers when it comes to their uh, their child schooling. Um, the very a very low percentage, I believe, are making those decisions for the wrong reason. And uh, I think in the uh, on the whole, 
homeschool parents are probably some of the most devoted parents to the success of their children. Well, we certainly had a few of them on the on a panel one day that uh, live up to that statement that you just made. Uh, but now let's talk about uh, the uh, accountability uh, rulings or, or, or programs and policies that are now in place uh, going forward. Did you uh, did you drop the testing program in 2020, or was the the accountability system that had been in place continued through uh, last spring? We we dropped the the legislature dropped the mandated testing. I believe it was in the 2017 session. Um, and, but, you know, there, there are, as the homeschool community has grown and opportunities for students have grown, uh, it's, it's probably more of that, uh, what we call the small a accountability, uh, where parents still want their students to have access uh, and opportunities that come about through some of those testing uh, methodologies and, and like the ACT. Uh, if a school district is providing the ACT uh, for their whole district, parents wanted the opportunity to, to uh, participate, their students participate in that. Uh, in Arkansas, we have a, a very uh, generous scholarship, the Arkansas Governor's Distinguished Scholarship. It pays $10,000 uh, per year uh, if for a student that stays in the state of Arkansas. Um, and there are a number of homeschool uh, graduates that uh, participate in that and, and get advantage, take advantage of that. Uh, so I think uh, the accountability is less about some accountability system uh, than it is um, the homeschool community wants, one, the opportunities that all other students have, and two, I think they want to show that their students are performing just as well as, uh, as many of the students in our public school system. And, and moving beyond homeschooling, um, how about, how about the, the general plan for the coming year for testing all students in the public schools and the charter schools? Uh, what's the plan going forward for in Arkansas for holding schools accountable? You know, we, uh, we are very proud of our accountability plan that we developed under the ESSER uh, legislation. Uh, we think it's a much stronger format than, than what we had under the No Child Left Behind. And it's really centered on uh, continuous improvement. Uh, it, it's less about uh, sanctions. It's more about learning uh, what is your data telling you uh, and, and moving all students rather than just moving a select group of students to make sure you get your numbers to keep you out of trouble. Um, and, and we have been using the ACT Aspire now for uh I think this is our this was our fifth year, uh, so we have stability with that. Um, you know, last year we lost uh, a, an important data piece because of the interruption due to COVID. This year uh, we are just now getting our results back from ACT Aspire. So over the next several weeks, uh, we will be analyzing the data to see what uh, that impact was. But but really, our accountability system is driven on understanding uh, the impact of uh, policies, the impact of practices to make sure that uh, we are doing what we say we're doing uh, with respect to the, the school level and district level improvement plans, and that it's having the impact on students that we want it to have. Well, I don't want you to reveal the uh, secrets of, of what the test is revealing until, uh, until the data has all been fully analyzed, but uh, what's your assessment? Was there a lot of learning loss in 
in Arkansas, there's been a lot of data from around the country says that the schools really suffered a huge setback when they when they closed the schools for such a period of time. Yeah, and uh, now, our preliminary numbers uh, reflect that as well. Um, you know, we we uh, we anticipate and we're going right now through to make sure it's all correct. Um, one good thing is that we did test. Uh, I think around 97, 98% of our students that were enrolled this year. Uh, we were very happy about that. We expected that that might uh, be much lower, uh, but in the end, parents did understand the need for, uh, for those tests to take place and they made sure their students got to the school building to have those tests, uh, to, to take those tests. So that's a positive. I think we need to look at uh, the positives in this situation that we we're in the high 90s. I think the impact though is going to show that uh, we have students that, uh, especially the ones in the early grades, third grade, uh, we're going to see uh, a tremendous decline. Uh, those students missed uh, a substantial part of, of the, uh, their second grade year and there were a number of interruptions in their third grade year and uh, we're gonna see some declines there, uh, but I expect we will see declines across the board. Um, what we are looking for is when we get to the district by district level, because we know there are districts that uh, had very effective plans uh, to have their students on site, uh, to uh, make sure they were engaged in the professional learning community process to understand the data and respond to that for the students. And we, we anticipate that there will be some uh, districts and schools that held their own pretty well, but there are other schools and districts that uh, probably will see um, declines uh, greater than the state average. Well, this will be very instructive. It's very good that you've had this, uh, a lot of participation in the testing program so that you can really analyze, uh, you know, where things went right and where things didn't go right and uh, make adjustments accordingly. Now, one of the things everybody was saying uh, about reform in education a few years back was we have to learn how to use uh, virtual learning, online learning, this is the new wave of the future. But around the country, there's been a lot of um, nervousness about the way in which instruction was delivered online. And could you reflect on your experiences in Arkansas in that regard? Well, I think uh, the concern is warranted. Um, we have had work uh, for online learning back um, probably into the late 90s uh, with compressed interactive video uh, was the first system that, that we used here. And obviously it had its limitations, but uh, we had established uh, supports uh, through organizations called Virtual Arkansas uh, that helped districts create these opportunities for online learning. But, you know, it, it's, it's very different uh, when you're creating uh, online learning platforms for students who want to use that platform uh, versus being forced into using a uh, platform. And that goes uh, the same with teachers. And, uh, you know, from last spring through this past year, uh, we really were forced to do that. And while we believe we made great strides, uh, it also exposed some, some flaws in the system. So at the department, we have been looking at uh, what, what do we need to change? How do we need to improve uh, to make sure that uh, those structures are, are uh, the, where they need to be moving forward? 
COVID is not going away. I mean, I think uh, in Arkansas, we've been in the national news the last few days. Uh, our case counts are going up by around a thousand or more each day. The Delta variant is uh, really coming in, hitting us pretty hard. And uh, so, you know, the expectation is there will be times that some of our schools are going to need to shift uh, to, to virtual learning again. Uh, we are better this year than we were last year. We're better prepared for that. Uh, but it's something that uh, as, as the uh, as schools upgrade their technology, as we work across the state with partners to expand broadband access, um, it, it's not uh, it, it's not a platform that's going away. I think we will see uh, more opportunities you know, for digital learning, but I don't think we'll ever see it completely replace, at least not in the near future, um, the, the bricks and mortar traditional uh, coming to a classroom and getting that face-to-face -face interaction with the teacher. So given that Delta variant and the, and the problems you're facing there, uh, what, how about vaccinations? Are you asking all employees, all adult employees to be vaccinated before they uh, come to work? Well, we are highly recommending it. Uh, the General Assembly uh, actually passed legislation that uh, for, forbids the requiring of vaccinations uh, by any state uh, entities, including schools. So uh, that and uh, mask mandates, uh, they passed legislation against mask mandates as well. So a couple of those tools are off the table, but we are working very hard uh, with help, the Arkansas Health Department to come up with ways to encourage and, and stress the importance of, of vaccines. Uh, one of the, the, I guess the, you know, it's carrot versus stick approach. One of the sticks that's out there is, you know, last year the state provided funding for schools to provide COVID leave. So if a, uh, a teacher or school staff uh, had to be quarantined, then uh, they were able to access up to 10 uh, days of COVID leave where they would not have to use their own sick leave. Well, we don't have that this year. So um, if you are quarantined, uh, then you are subject to use your own sick leave for that. Um, if you are vaccinated, according to the CDC guidelines, if, if you're completely vaccinated and you're a close contact, you do not have to be quarantined. You know. uh, so that's a a lot, uh, quite a bit of different situation than we had a year ago. Uh, we're hoping that the understanding of, um, of the Delta variant and the severity of that, because it is pretty severe, uh, as, as health department folks have said, um, it, it's much more transis transmissible. It, uh, it seems to have a harder or, or a, a tougher impact on younger children. And as we try to get that information out, we are uh, expecting that the vaccination participation rate will go up. It just needs to happen now so that our, uh, our staff could be fully protected by the time they get to, to class in August. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you, you, teachers can't decide to go get vaccinated uh, too soon. It's gotta, it's gotta happen quickly. So now tell me about the federal COVID funding that has been made available to schools. Uh, what are districts in Arkansas uh, using the funds for? How are you directing the funds? Uh, do, are you, do you really need them? A lot of states are enjoying uh, property uh, booms and property values. Uh, 
So it seems to me like we might have uh, all more money arriving on the scene from all directions than we've had in some time. Uh, now, I'm not there on the ground like you are, uh, Secretary Key. So what does it look like from the ground? Uh, it, it, no, you, you're correct. I mean, it's um, kind of a phrase that I've used in my presentations to superintendents and other school leaders is that, you know, if you thought you had a lot of money uh, from uh, the American Recovery Reinvestment Act in uh, 2009, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, it's more money than, than we can even imagine. And I really, uh, one of my concerns has been how will districts spend this effectively because they have so much. Thankfully, it's a, a three-year uh, window. And one of the things that uh, we are experiencing in Arkansas now is we can't predict the future when it comes to COVID. Uh, I say, would say six months ago when we were starting to see declines in cases, uh, some thought we were out of the woods. And you know now here we are in July and we're seeing some of the, the biggest increases we've seen in months. So the, you know, the concern about how to spend the money would be there if we had to spend it all right now. Um, but we have until 2024. So we have been cautioning districts to, uh, to create very good plans and understand that these plans need to be reviewed on a periodic basis uh, so, so that they don't get just locked in with doing a certain thing. Now, how, how are we spending the money? Um, we have put, at least for the state set aside, a, a lot of uh, effort into the social, emotional, and uh, mental health aspect. We saw tremendous mental health impacts on our students over the last year. Um, just uh, you, you look at some of the data that we have on our high school students. Uh, we have high school students that the reason they were disengaged uh, from their own online learning is because they became the caregiver for younger students, younger uh, siblings or other family members in the home. And uh, while parents were out working, the older students were left to, to take care of the younger students. Uh, some of our students, our high school students, went to work full time, uh, again, because of the family situation. So um, those are examples of things that create a, a different type of, of mental health and social emotional impact on our students. Do you expect a higher dropout rate from, from high schools uh, that not as many students will be finishing high school as, as recently? We're concerned about that. I mean, the, the high school dropout rate is something that we've worked very hard to improve uh, in the time that I've been here, the last six years or so. Uh, you know, obviously that high school graduation rate is not something that you wait until they're juniors or seniors to work on. Uh, but we have a situation now with COVID that juniors and seniors, um, you know, the, the pressures of COVID may actually drive them to make that decision. Uh, so working with the uh, Organization Graduation Alliance, uh, we're trying to understand what those services are, the wraparounds that they might need to make sure they do stay in school. How do we accelerate them rather than, uh, uh, you know, relying on remediation, credit recovery? Uh, making sure they get what they need so that we don't see a, a huge uh, impact on grad rates. Um, you know, the districts are, are they are trying to understand how to use these funds because Arkansas is in a situation where we have not reduced education funding. As a matter of fact, we increased it, the uh, General Assembly increased 
state funding uh, by a higher percentage than we'd seen probably in the last uh, eight or nine years. Uh, so, you know, we, we don't, there's not going to be a shortage of funding. What there's going to be a shortage of uh, are the, the great ideas to make sure that um, whatever learning loss, the impact of that lost instructional time is fully addressed, uh, not by the traditional means either. I mean, you, you, you're not going to attract kids to come to summer school uh, in any greater numbers than you did before. Uh, you have to find ways to partner with the local uh, organizations, faith-based communities, boys and girls clubs, all those where kids are going to be in the summer and after school, rather than trying to compel them to come uh, back to the campus uh, more time than they're already there. So that I think we'll see some innovation there. We're working with some state partners uh, on that through one of our higher ed institutions. Um, but uh, and then creating some of those data pieces and those uh, uh, a dashboard by which each district can look uh, at all of the early warning indicators, not just your test scores, but your attendance, uh, your disciplinary infractions, um, just uh, whatever data pieces that we can put in to this system and, and create, uh, if you will, a predictive model so that we get those early warnings and can get resources to those students at the point in time that they need them rather than waiting for uh, some uh, catastrophic event to take place uh, that, that, that has a negative impact on their learning. Well, one possibility would be to give uh, students, especially in high school, an opportunity to go to the school that they want to go to within the school district, especially your larger school districts. Uh, I've advocated that in a report for, for the Hoover uh, Institution. Uh, and uh, some places around the country are doing this. They're actually saying, okay, you can go whatever uh, school you want in the district, uh, as long as that there's room available and we'll have a lottery or something to decide if too many people want to go to the same school. But uh, have you tried this sort of portfolio approach or a lot of choice within school districts in Arkansas? Have you been encouraging that at the state level, uh, Secretary Key? Yeah, we at the state level, we, uh, we feel like uh, encouraging a, uh, all options on the table is something that uh, will be very beneficial for parents and, and for students. Uh, it, so much of those policy issues require legislation. And uh, you know, where Arkansas hasn't seen uh, that issue be a partisan issue, uh, because, you know, we, there is, um, when I was in the legislature back in the 2000s, we had, uh, you know, probably 30 Republicans and 70 Democrats in the House, uh, seven Republicans and 28 Democrats in the Senate. Those numbers have pretty much flip-flopped. Uh, but what you see when it comes to school choice policy uh, are the same breakdowns by rural uh, and urban issues. Rural um, Arkansans, rural superintendents uh, are highly influential in their areas. And so whether it's a Republican representative or a Democratic representative, uh, they carry a lot of sway. I think the school choice um, the Philanthropic Investment in Arkansas Kids Act may have passed by two, two votes uh, in, in the House. Um, so, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have some of the um, robust offerings that some states have, uh, but we, we do have uh, 
as far as public school choice, uh, we do have a pretty robust system there in that uh, we have conversion and uh, open enrollment charter schools, not just in uh, the, the urban areas, but also in some of the rural areas around the state. Uh, so there, there are elements of choice that I think are very helpful for, uh, for parents to have right now. Well, thank you, uh, Secretary Key. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate your frank, open uh, discussion of what is exactly happening in the state of Arkansas. Uh, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. All right, thanks for having me. Well, I've been speaking with Secretary Johnny Key, the Secretary of Education for the State of Arkansas. Please join me on the Education Exchange every Monday when the Education Exchange podcast is released at 12 noon.